All right, we're gonna get started. Before we do, let's pray, shall we? Lord, we are privileged to come here together to find and learn another way to reach people. You have a way for every person in this world to be told the gospel, and this is a tool that you've inspired individuals and given them the wisdom to create and we want to continue to share this, that people can take this tool to their homes, to their churches, to tell people about your soon coming. So may the angels be with us. May the Holy Spirit inspire us here all this morning. And thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us, for dying on the cross, that we all have the opportunity to be in heaven together. Amen. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the ASI DVD training program. How many of you have heard of the New Beginnings DVD program? Okay, how many of you have used it? Okay, a few of you. All right, great. Well, ASI, about the year 2000, um, you know, when all the net series started happening, Mark Finley, Doug Batchelor, they started doing these big, huge net meetings. And they had those beautiful graphics, and uh, we gave them money, we supported them, and we sent them off to hold these big meetings around the world, right? Well, but they have, you know, like three, five, six, ten thousand, hundred thousand people coming to these meetings. They baptize a whole bunch of people. What happens when the team leaves? to all these people that are baptized. Okay, yeah, 90%, 90% of these baptized members leave with the evangelists. And so ASI was thinking, and we thought, you know, instead of one person or one organization going to these different parts of the world, holding these big meetings, what would happen if lay people, if ASI members would go and hold meetings? So instead of one evangelist reaching 10,000 people, what about if 1,000 Adventist ASI members went and preached and reached 10 people? It would be the same number, right? Okay, but what happens when ASI members go is they go and they train church members. So the church members in the local area are invested in evangelism. And they go out and they make friends, they invite people, they have connections, and then when they hold an evangelistic meeting, their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers are coming to these meetings. So an evangelist holds a meeting, and, and then when the evangelist leaves, who's left behind? the church members with the connections. And so we thought, let's, let's put these beautiful graphics and sermons that are already all written out into the hands of the lay people and let them reach their own community. And what we have found is that when this is done, 90% of the people that are baptized into the church are still in the church a year later. Amen? Yes, and that's what we want. We want to empower local church people 
to do meetings in their own neighborhoods, to their own family, to their own friends, and to their coworkers, even their enemies. And you'll find out how to invite your enemies to your meetings, okay? So I just want to share with you, so the first program that we did, uh, we did three test programs, and I want to share with you some experiences that we've had with this program in different parts of the world, because it can work anywhere. So the first, okay, Matthew 24, and I'd like everybody to read this together, okay? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, now when we hear this verse, we, when we hear this verse, we always hear the preaching part, right? But what's the second half of it? Preached as a, as a witness. Now when an evangelist comes and leaves, he's no longer there to witness. And so the church member is left there to be a witness. And this is why we are preaching and we're staying as a witness. And this is why this program is so effective. So we have gone to all 13 divisions of the church with this program. And this actually is a very dated <laughs> slide. Okay, so we have trained, um, I think it's close to 100,000 now, of, of lay people in their own churches with this program. And these lay people on average have held three whole meetings. And that means that's 300,000 plus home meetings. And on average, about 10 people attend a meeting in people's homes. And, I'll sh and we'll explain to you and train you how to hold the meetings in your homes. Um, and on average, at least 50% of the people that come to your meetings will get baptized because you have developed a relationship with them, you have developed friendships with them, and they will get baptized. And so, um, actually, we've gone to uh, all the continents around the world except for Antarctica. And I think there's only penguins there to preach to, so we haven't, we haven't done a training program there. But we've gone to all of the other continents. One of the first countries that we went to was Moldova. This was a test uh, that we did there. And I tell you, this training was held in January. It was minus 36 degrees. It was freezing. A Siberian clipper came over and just hung over Moldova. And when we went, this was year 2001. No. 2000? No. It was 2004. <laughs> yeah, it was 2004. And, uh, you know, Moldova at that time was, it's still poor, but it was extremely poor then. And hardly any of the church members had cars. And we wondered, you know, it's minus 36 degrees, people have to walk. And we held it in this big uh, theater, and we thought how many people would come. Here, next slide. And we, gave, we trained them, we gave them a DVD player, and we gave them a DVD disc that held all the graphics and the sermon notes, and then we also printed the sermon books for them. So they, they had everything to go home and start the meeting that night. Next one. And we were planning on training about 600 people and 1,200 people showed up. Many of them had to walk miles in that cold. 
but they were so hungry. And the thing about Moldova is it's a very small country and it has two conferences, the Northern Conference and the Southern Conference. And church growth in Moldova, it's the only communist country left in that whole area. Um, the church growth was about 2% a year. And I think North American division is a little bit worse than that. But it was 2% a year. We held the training in January. By October, the Moldovan Union had 14% growth. I mean, there was nothing else changed in their, in their uh, church program or outreach except that these lay people got this material, they took it home, they started doing home meetings everywhere in the country, and they had 14% growth by October. Next one. Okay, then we went to Cambodia. Now, uh, this was, you know, about 10 years ago. And in the city of Phnom Penh, uh, there were 300 Seventh-day Adventists in that city. And so we went and did the training. Next one. And uh, we gave out the, the materials. And this little lady, I tell you, she's, yeah, well, I guess she's about this to Denzel, but she's about like this to me. So she's, she's a really small lady, and she could not read. Okay, the, the war in the country had wiped out education for years and years and years, and she was, she was not able to read. Now, today you're going to get the preach it version of the DVD to take home and use. But we also have play it version where there's an audio preaching the message. And we, we asked her, we said, and, and when we um, trained and then we went back nine months later, she had shown the video to over a thousand people in nine months. And we said, you know, there's no way you could have done that. How'd you do that? And she said, well, I went out in the street and I want everybody to go like this. Oh, wait, first go like this. Okay, sorry. Okay, first she went out in the street and she waved to people and then she smiled. Everybody smiled. See, you look so nice. You look so friendly. And she invited them to come in to show them the DVD. And can everybody go like this? And she turned it on and then she pushed the DVD in and pressed start. That's all she did. A thousand people. Now, when the evangelistic meetings were done in that city, she had over half of those thousand people in those meetings, and more than half of those people got baptized. One little illiterate lady. Okay, next one. Okay, now, when we went to Cambodia, we also wanted to go to Vietnam, but at that time, it was extremely dangerous to go there, and it was illegal for one thing. And so we invited 75 house church pastors from Vietnam to come and train. And we gave them money to go and buy a DVD player, and we gave them the DVD um, discs and sermon books. And they went back and they trained their church members to do this meeting. Well, in one of the homes they were doing the meeting, and there was a knock at the door. And, you know, they opened the door, and the chief of police for the Communist Party was standing at the door. And they wondered, you know, what's going to happen? And on the TV, you play this on, on your TV. On the TV was the picture of Jesus. You know that Nathan Green picture with Jesus is in a purple of flowers and he's got his hands out? That scene was showing. And the policeman said, what are you doing? And they said, well, 
you know, this, this house church leader, he didn't know what to do, and he was praying, and he noticed that the police eyes kept going to that TV screen with the picture of Jesus. And so he said, well, sir, if you will come in, we'll show you what we're doing. So he came in and sat down, and, and he finished the presentation. And he didn't say anything, but he didn't kick anybody out either, and he left. Well, he came back the next night, and he came back the next night, and the next night, and he came back all the rest of the meetings. And at the end of the meetings, they baptized 11 people. They had to come secretly by different ways and meet in the mountains, in a remote mountain stream. And there they baptized the people. And this police chief was one of them. And, and he said, the next meeting you hold, you can come to my house and hold it. Nobody will bother us. So even in countries where it's very dangerous to do, this is a method that anybody can use. Uh, Panama, okay, we're gonna go through these really fast. Yep. Panama was the third country that we did. We did a trial run of 300 people. Uh, we trained 300 people, next. And this gentleman, you know, we do the training. In most countries, we do the training over four days because we do like a Holy Spirit, spiritual revival, reformation type of meetings the first two days. And then we do the training, and then the third day we do the consecration and, and give the materials out. But this man, after we, we got done training and got his DVD, he started getting out. He got up and started walking out the door. And we said, wait a minute. No, you, we're not done yet. You know, you can't go. And he said, I've, I've got a meeting scheduled to start tonight. So we said, okay, you can go. <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, don't hold your finger. Okay, this little 12-year-old girl, when we, when we do the training, we have a practice session, and, and you guys will be doing some of the practice, hopefully. Um, and, and we give out like one sheet of the script from the sermon to people. And they come up and they just do it on the fly to show how easy it is. And this little girl wanted to practice. And so we gave her a sheet. And it happened to be the very last sheet. And, and while she was waiting in line to come up to practice, she had memorized the whole page. So when she came up to, to preach, most everybody put the book down and they read from it. But she'd left the book, and she was just preaching her heart out. Now, on the very last page, every sermon, you'll see an appeal. So you don't have to think about the words to say. You don't have to be nervous about whether your doctrine is, is right, because your script is written all out for you. And there's even appeals in every single sermon. So we encourage people to make an appeal and and have the people make a decision with every single sermon. And so she went out there and she just preached her heart out and she made this appeal and this family came forward <laughs> in a practice session. And, and so now one time Barbara Taylor and I, we were doing this training and she made an appeal and they rolled a casket to the front. <laughs> So she was like, what are they doing? But what happened is at the church we were doing the training, a dear saint had died. And so they were waiting to have her funeral after our training. And when she made the appeal, the elders thought that it was over. And they brought the casket forward to start the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so she told Mark Finley, I one-upped you. He said, I made an appeal and a dead person came forward. <laughs> so, but hopefully that won't happen to you. Okay, next one. Okay. We got okay. about. Um, in Indonesia, yeah, Indonesia is one of the most Islamic countries, and it's very dangerous to do programs there. But even there, when we did the training, go ahead, just slide through. Over 200, okay, 
stop. <laughs> over 200 people, um, no, over, over 600 people came, but 200 people were equipped. And these 200 people took the materials back and they did the meetings and they had a baptism afterwards. Um, in six months and and at that baptism they baptized more people than they had in three years put together um, and and the different the only difference was that the lay people were taking this and doing something in their homes okay in Africa um, postpone yes there you go okay we went to Africa and go ahead next one um, this is Tanzania and uh, we, just one quick story about this guy. This guy came, he traveled on foot to the river and a little canoe to the bigger river, a bigger boat to the next station. Then he took a bus, then he took a train, and then he ran out of money, so he hitchhiked and he walked for three days to come to the training. And, and for those very remote villages, they, didn't have, they don't have electricity there, so we had gotten solar-powered DVD players. They're small like this. And so he took it back to his village, and uh, when he got there, he started his meetings when it got dark. And people came, you know, when you're in Africa and you're doing a series, you don't see anybody, but all of a sudden when you start doing things, people just start coming out. And they just like, come from everywhere. And so pretty soon he had this big crowd. And so he was using this thing and, and a lot of the people, especially the younger ones, they had never seen TVs or you know, DVD players or things like that. And so they were walking around, they were looking underneath to see where all these little tiny people came from. And, and so it was very effective. And, and he was responsible for starting three churches in seven of the villages. And, in just a short amount of time. So this is very effective. Okay, go ahead. Um, this is Congo. We went to the Congo and we trained the lay people there. These two gentlemen here at the end are the lay people. Uh, the infrastructure in Congo is just barely there at all because of the Civil War. And when they went back, they uh, held meetings in the homes. This gentleman with the clerical collar he is an Anglican district pastor. He has six churches. And he came because he'd gotten a, an invitation to learn about the Revelation Prophecy Seminar. And he, he was trying to study it, but he couldn't understand it. So he came just to learn so he can teach his members. Well, at the end of it, he was convicted. He wanted to get baptized, and he went back to his churches. And he had been preaching what he was learning to his churches every Sunday. So when he decided to get baptized, he went to his churches, and he told them he could no longer be their pastor because he was going to become a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, three out of the six churches decided they were going to be Seventh-day Adventist churches, too. And so the whole churches, he came with him. Um, okay, next one. This was Rwanda. I just want to show you this because um, their theme for the weekend was saved to be saved. And I think that should apply to all of us. We are not saved just to go to heaven. We are not saved just to enjoy the streets of gold. We're saved to save others. And that's the call that Jesus gives us. And today you're going to be trained and receive material that you can put this into practice. Okay, next one. Okay, go ahead. Just, we don't have time, you guys. Okay, keep going. I'll keep going. Okay, 
keep going. Uh, okay, this I want you to see. We went and did training in Guatemala, and I want you to look at these numbers. In January for that conference, 123 people got baptized. In February, how many people got baptized? 178. We did the training February 8 and 9. In March, the people started holding meetings in their homes. How many baptisms in April? Okay, what was that? 848. Okay. Is there a difference between 848 and 123 and 178? <laughs> yeah. But what was the difference? Did, did they learn about a different God? No. Did, they, did the conference all of a sudden give them super duper budget to do huge meetings? No. Exactly. Lay people, church members, got active and they started holding meetings in their homes. And this was, is the difference. Yeah, there you go. Just Lisa kind of like the same people that are in this room today. That's right. That's right. You and I can have the same impact in your church that they've had all over the world, including Guatemala. There's no reason it can't be different. And where this training has gone on, that kind of things have happened. Um, go to the end. Not, not complete end, end. You know, some people, this is Ukraine. Okay, right here. North America. A lot of people say, well, that works in Guatemala, that works in India, that works in Africa. But we live in a really difficult area. Have you heard that before? The area where we live, people are hard to reach. Well, you would be surprised. We hear this everywhere. But I want to ask you, around the world, is there a different car God for different parts of the world? No. Okay, around the world, is there a different Holy Spirit? No. So we have the same God, we have the same Holy Spirit who convicts. What's the difference? People, okay, let's, let's get more specific. What people? Church members, exactly, okay? So today you can be that layperson that makes a difference in your church, in your conference, to, to have results. So in North America, go ahead. In North America, we do trainings, and, and what happens is when we call for a commitment in other countries, we'll get... Percentage-wise, we'll get over 50% of the part training participants commit to doing at least two meetings in their homes. In North America, when we ask for a commitment, probably maybe 10%, but that's okay. This represented 10% of a congregation that we did training for in Oregon. Go ahead, next. But even there, we have people that have results. Uh, these home meetings, humble home meetings. And what we really like about this program is it's extremely low cost. You know, one of the big problems in doing evangelism in your church is it's a lot of money, isn't it? And churches are, are strapped now. And, and, you know, one of the first things they want to cut is evangelism programs, right? This is extremely low cost. And we're going to show you now how that can be done. Okay, next, one last slide. Oh, go ahead, keep going. Oh, that's it, okay. Um, so we're going to train you now how to hold these meetings in your homes. And when you go home, we would really like you to train other people in your church 
to do these meetings. Okay, um, so let's talk about how to organize this meeting. I need four volunteers. Okay, could four vol Okay, come on up. Okay, come on up. Okay, how about you? Come on up. And the gentleman? Okay, great. Okay, come right on up. So what we want you to do when you go home, the other thing about doing evangelistic meetings in your home is it's time consuming and it's a lot of effort, right? And we all live busy lives. I don't know about you, but I'm really busy. Are you guys busy? Amen. Yeah, okay, that got a big amen. Okay, come on over here. Okay, so, so when you're trying to do something at home, it's extremely daunting to think of all the work that needs to go into it. But what we advocate you to do and what we really encourage you to do is form a team in your church. Okay, so let's come over here and, and okay, come stand right here. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right. So what we're going to do is tell you the, the title and the job description of these people in your team, okay? So this is Mr. Evangelist. He is the speaker, okay? And the speaker is responsible for learning the sermons and to present the sermons, okay? And then we have an assistant speaker. Assistant speaker prepares to preach the sermons too, just in case he gets run over by a bus or something like that. Hopefully not, but if he gets sick or somehow he gets stuck somewhere, the assistant speaker is learning the sermons to present it. Now, also she is training to form her own team once these meetings are done. Okay, then we have the host or hostess. Now the host or hostess provides a place to hold the meeting. Usually it's in the home. Um, in Romania, we train 300 young people and four of the young people came, all came from this small village. The problem is they were extremely poor. This whole church was very, very poor. And they had, no one had homes big enough to hold the meetings in. But right next to the very humble church lived the richest man in the whole district. And he had a big house. And so these four young people said, well, why don't we ask him if we could use his house? And, and they didn't tell any of the grown-ups, otherwise they would not have been allowed to do this. But they just walked to the, to the man's house and knocked on the door and they said, we would like to hold a Bible study in your home because we want to invite people and we don't have a big enough place. And the man, well, these young people prayed for three days first. <laughs> and the man said, okay. And they thought maybe they could use his garage or something, but he cleared his living room out and made a theater in there, because he had a big TV. And he allowed these young people to hold these meetings in his home. Now, he came some of the time, but most of the time he was gone. And so, your host will provide a place, and if his home isn't big enough, he could go to Bill Gates' house and ask, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, you know, be bold for the Lord. And, or, or the, the venue could be a public place, like if you have a community center that will give you a place for free or very cheaply, you can do that. But it works really well in the home. Okay, so he, he's the one. Now, another thing about the host is don't prepare huge snacks. Don't prepare a meal. Uh, sometimes you think, you know, maybe people will come if I offer a meal. Remember, you have 25 meetings to do in your home. And if you have to, 
prepare these huge meals, you're going to give up. So part of that too, Lisa, is it, 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 you want to run it like an evangelistic meeting. You want to be efficient. You want to start on time yep. and you want to end on time. And when, when it's over, generally you want the people to go. Yes. And, and you'll have time, then later on we'll train you, you you'll socialize that with them, but you want to get them there and they want to leave. That way they're more comfortable. When you invite people over to your house and, and, and they don't know you too well, and you invite them and, and they know exactly what, what's going to happen, they feel more comfortable. They don't feel like they have to stay. Then they come in and they know you're serious about what you're doing. That's right. Um, We'll have a question and answer time afterwards. Is that okay? Okay. So now you come to your technical person. Okay? Your technical person, you know, and any of these members, other than the speaker and the assistant speaker, maybe, um, they don't even have to be a church member. You know, so your technical person can be a young person maybe that you're trying to reach to bring them back to church. Maybe it's a relative that you've been trying to witness to and they don't respond to anything. We, we trained a church in Wisconsin and there was an old lady there. She was 89 years old and she had been an Adventist since after World War II. And, but her husband didn't join. And they had children, they, he, she would, they, the children brought, was brought up in the Adventist church, and she would invite them to their church events, and he would never come. He would never come to anything in the church. And she was getting desperate because he was 92. And she wanted to reach him. And so she took the materials home, and she said, Honey, she said, I volunteered to host a Bible study group in our home. But I don't know how all these things work, so she said, would you be my technical person and, you know, help me, help me run this? And he, of course, said yes, because he was a good husband. Well, he didn't know that as a technical person, he had to read the script, he had to advance the slide, and he had to listen to it. Well, he listened to 25 complete prophecy seminars. What do you think happened? He became a member. And, you know, I just, talk, I, heard, um, I just talked to this lady oh, about a, a year ago, I think, and her husband passed away. But she was so happy because he died in the Lord. And she, and, and she said, um, you know, he would let her pay tithe out of her income, but he would never let her pay tithe out of his income. So after he joined the church, he figured out how much all that back tithe was, and he paid that into the church. <laughs> so... You know, um, so, uh, you know, the Bible says we need to be wise as and harmless as. And so, you know, be wise, but ask the Holy Spirit who you should pick on your team. And if they're not in the Lord, if they have long hair, if they have, you know, if they look like whatever, is the Lord impressed, bald? <laughs> You're not bald. Um, you know, if the Lord impresses you to ask them to be on your team, pray about it and ask, because you don't know what the Lord has been doing in the, in the people's lives. And so you're a team, so you, um, then what you have to decide, now if you're, if So give you're, the four team members again, what do you have? What's the first one? You have one? a speaker, 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 assistant speaker, 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 spea
technical person. There you okay? go. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, so, so now you know how your team is organized. Like Terry says, uh, there's 26 sermons in the North American uh, version. There's 25 in the international. So if your church is going to have more than one team doing the meetings, some churches will have like four to five or six teams of people doing these meetings. You need to decide together how many meetings a week you're going to have because you're going to hold these home meetings for 17 meetings in the homes. On the 18th meeting, all the teams are going to come together to your church. And you need to, to do, um, decide amongst the teams who is going to be the final speaker for the last seven or eight meetings. It could be your pastor, or it could be two of you um, that have been holding the meetings in the homes, taking turns. Um, but it needs to, we need to finish in the church. And then you set a baptismal date for all the, all the baptismal candidates from all the teams. And I tell you what, I went to one of those the baptismals, and it was, it was amazing. It was like you could just feel the energy. You could just feel the Holy Spirit. And these people, when they were baptized, they were hugged and welcomed and kissed and fed. And, and you know, because everybody doing these 17 meetings in the home, you get to know each other. So in the meetings, you'll have your 14 members who are Adventists. In North America, an average of four to eight people will come to your meetings. And so you have four Adventists, and then you'll have four visitors or up to eight visitors. And you bond. You become a team. And so when you move to the church, then they get to know the other people. And you should involve your pastor as soon as you can because your pastor needs to know who these visitors are. And, and as he gets to know them, and if he's a really good speaker, uh, you can ask, that, ask him to finish the series so that your visitors can bond with him. And it's a really good way. If he's not a good speaker, involve him somehow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it's really even not the speaker. It really isn't. Even if you're a terrible speaker, um, God can use you. Yes. You know, I remember the first time um, I got tricked into going overseas to Ukraine and holding my first series of meetings. I wasn't supposed to be the speaker, but the speaker signed me up and then backed out. And it was too late. And, you know, I'm a business person. And what do you do when you have a problem? You write out a plan, right? Business plan, and you work the plan. And so we got there, and I was scared to death because the first time I, that was the first time I ever preached. I've never been up front in church, not even to call for offering. I taught the primaries. That was it. And, but, you know, I prepared, prepared, prepared. I memorized my sermons, and I thought, okay, you know, we got this. I'm going to be Mark Finley. And I got up to preach, and I was trusting in my own preparation. And I got up there, and I looked at my script. I looked at the, the screen, and nothing made sense. I couldn't remember a thing. And you know, the first sermon is always Daniel 2, right? Daniel 2 has all these dates. They have B.C. and A.D. and Romans and Greeks and, and 
whatever, the Medes and Persians, and they have all these dates, and I got so mixed up, and I was so scared that, that my knees were shaking so hard, my dress looked like a fan was blowing on it. And I could hardly speak, and I couldn't make sense of anything. And afterwards, I, I remember going to my room and just crying and crying and crying and saying, Lord, I'm going to go home. I can't do this. I just like, like, I'm no good. I can't do this. I can't do this. I, for two hours, I was praying this. About 1 o'clock in the morning, you know how the angel came into Peter's cell and knocked him on the side of the head? Okay, I think he did the same thing to me. And he said, you can't do it because it's not yours, it's mine. And so I thought, you know, a light bulb went on in my head. I said, it's not up to me. The only thing up to me is to be willing. And so I just told the Lord, I'm willing. You're going to have to help me, though. And, you know, after that, everything went well. And 47 people were baptized. One of those people was a university professor who was an atheist, who, who grew up and in the communist system, and he was an atheist. And afterwards, I talked to him, and I said, you know, what made you, what made you come back? And what made you um, decide make a decision for baptism. And he said, it was your first sermon. <laughs> he was a professor of history, and he knew all those dates, and he knew the history of the world. And he said, every point that you made was on. And I was like, he didn't hear the sermon <laughs> that I preached. He heard a sermon that the Holy Spirit preached. You know? So if, even if you're a terrible speaker, if, as long as you're willing, the Holy Spirit somehow gives, not the gift of tongues, but gift of years to people that should hear what they should hear. Do you, do you believe so, that angels actually sometimes are in the audience and plugs people's ears when yes. they shouldn't hear? <laughs> or changes the words so yes. they hear them the way they're supposed to be? Because it's, it's the heart. That's, That's what the right. Lord's looking for That's when you go right. out and, and you do the meetings in your home. They're looking, they're looking for the heart. And that's yeah. what's successful. That's right. You know, so I remember this old man we, we trained. He was 90 years old, and he said, I've been an Adventist my whole life. He said, I'm a second-generation Adventist. He said, I've never brought anyone to the Lord, not one single person. He said, before I die, I want to bring somebody to the Lord. And so he agreed to hold meetings in his home, but they actually did it in a hall. And he invited me to come to his meeting, so I went. And he was a terrible speaker. Oh, my goodness. He was so nervous. He gripped the podium so hard, his knuckles turned white. And he looked down, and he read the whole entire thing in a monotone voice. He said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it was the evening and morning of the first day. He read through the whole thing, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. It's like, people are not going to come back. But you know, people came back, people came back, people came back. And, and there were three people that got baptized from those meetings. I mean, I was shocked. But we shouldn't have such poor faith, right? Because we keep saying it's not the messenger, it's the message. But when you see things like that happen, then you really believe it. And you know, there was a seven-year-old boy in Michigan that was trained, and he decided he wanted to hold meetings. And his mother made up these little picture cards, and he preached from that, from the series. And seven people got baptized. That's one baptism for every year of his age. Now, how old are you guys? Okay. Expect large things. Right? Okay. So, Lisa, you've, we've talked about 
the team, the organization. Yeah. How yeah. do we get an audience? Well, okay, this is the easiest part, you guys. Because aren't you, aren't you all thinking in your, okay, I can do the organization. I can get four people. So what's the next step? How am I going to get these people to come to my home? Well, Lisa, tell them. Well, it's very easy. It is easy. These four members come together and they pray. Now, and, let's stop there for yeah. a minute. I am on a, for lack of a better term, personally, I'm on a prayer kick. I have seen amazing answers in our churches, my life, recently through prayer. It is so important to approach this yes. with prayer from the beginning. Yes. And everybody be committed to this, to pray. And get your church to pray for this, or a group in your church, or your Sabbath school class, to pray for this every day. Yes. That's where you really need to start. Yes. And then the rest of the pieces will start to come. And yes. it, tell them about how to get the... Okay, so to get people to your homes, these four people, after they have a season of prayer, get a list, okay? And for the, they take this list home, and for the next week, they pray every day and ask the Lord, who should I invite? Who should I invite? And they list a name of 10 people. So you write the names of the 10 people. You know... Who, who should you invite, okay? Let's, let's, let's get some ideas from you. Friends, okay? Family, neighbors, co-workers, okay? Who else? That's right, in the post office, in the grocery store, in the doctor's office. You know, I'm just gonna tell a very quick story. Um, my niece and her friend were going door to door, inviting people to the meetings. And they went to this one house, and this guy came to the door. He had orange hair with purple polka dots. And he had tattoos everywhere, and he was just wearing these boxer shorts. And he had so much metal stuff stuck on his face, it looked like he fell face first in a fishing tackle box. He just had these medals hanging down everywhere. Well. My little niece was 14 years old, and she said, we're having Bible study meetings. We'd like you to come. And she tried to hand him the, the, the flyer. And he said, no, I don't want anything about religion. He started to slam the door. Well, they had a Bible worker with them, and the Bible worker stuck his foot in the door, and he threw the flyer in there, and he said, just look at it, man. It's not going to hurt you. And then the door slammed, and so they left. Well, they ran out of flyers. And so the Bible worker was going back to his car, and this guy was sitting on his steps, looking at the flyer. So he says, so where's the meeting going to be? <laughs> and so he told them, now this was one of the Youth for Jesus <laughs> testimonies, and that night at the church, at the, at the auditorium, I was greeting, and I saw this hearse drive up. And this guy with purple and orange hair, and this time he, he had the Bermuda shorts, but he had a black vest on, leather vest. And he got out of the car and he started walking into the auditorium and I thought, this guy is lost. He doesn't, you know, he's in the wrong place. But he had the flyer in his hand, so I greeted him. The guy came every night and things started falling off his face and some more clothes started going on. And he started looking cleaner and he came to the meetings every night. Well, to make a long story short, he got baptized. Next year, our Youth for Jesus program was in Atlanta and he was one of the Bible workers. He had gone to AFCO, gotten training as a Bible worker. His hair was sandy blonde. He had glasses. 
you know, he looked clean, and today he's a pastor. As a result of him coming to the Youth for Jesus meeting, and because there was such a drastic change in his life, his parents, who were on the verge of divorce, got back together. They started studying the Bible. We, we planted a church there in that city, and they were the host for the next evangelistic meetings. And his younger brother, who was totally into drugs, just a horrible life. Today, he's a Bible worker in Australia, winning souls in, in down-and-out places. And so you never know. So if you see somebody with crazy hair, somebody that you think, oh, they would never be interested, if the Holy Spirit says invite them, you invite that person. So you make a list of 10 names, each person. How many names is that all together? 40 names, okay? So you come together after a week, put the names together on one master list, give it out to all the church members, for them to pray over the names. And then you pray over their names for at least one week. And then what I do is, you know these party invitation things that you get at Hallmark, just a pack? I handwrite uh, an invitation for them to come to a Bible study, an interesting Bible study. You can use whatever words you want to use. And you put the dates, and then you put, you put the address of the place, and and then I, and each person, team member, takes your 10 names and hand deliver them and invite them to come. And out of the 40 names, you'll generally get between four to eight people to come. And like Terry said, to keep them coming, you need to pray, but you also need to be very organized. Start the meetings on time, finish on time. If they come to your meeting and they have to be there for two, three hours, they will not come back. So start your meeting. Generally, when I do these meetings in my house or on a team, I try to keep the meeting no more, no more than an hour and a half. The sermons will take about 45, 50 minutes to preach. You have about 10, 15 minutes before, then you have about 10, 15 minutes after. And, you know, and when, when people come and they know they're going to be out of there by a certain time, they, they'll, they'll keep coming back. One thing to add uh, regarding invitations and also people part of your team, what about church members who aren't active in the church that you yes. know of? That has worked uh, to be a great place yes. to talk to people and ask them to come to the meetings, ask them to help. You, you would be surprised. I, I personally was out of the church for about 14 years, but I would go to church about once or twice a year. And in my heart, I was secretly longing that somebody would ask me either to come to lunch or could the pastor come visit me, and that never happened. So there are many people, including probably some in your church, that would jump at the opportunity to do this. So give them that opportunity. So think about that and pray about that. And I'll bet the Lord will lay on your hearts people in your church that would be good people that have not, they've met, they're a member, but they've not given their heart to the Lord, that that would be a good individual to um, be part of your DVD training. Yes, ask them to be part of your team. That's a good way. You know, people may not respond to um, gentle or maybe even not so gentle persuasion, but they'll respond to a call for help. People want to help, generally. 
And so if you ask them to help and be on your team, they will, they'll generally do it. Okay. Um, now, we're going to move very, very quickly. Like I said, in every sermon, you'll have an introduction, you'll have the body of the sermon, and then you'll have an appeal. And it's really, really important that when you are preparing to preach, that you make that appeal and give the people time to make a decision. Now, in the home, you're not going to have altar calls. You know, you're not going to have people standing up or whatever. But it's really important to give them that time to respond. And your initial sermons are going to be very easy. It's going to be, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world? You know, those kinds of decisions are very, very easy. And some people, when they're not used to preaching these messages, will think, oh, you know, that's, of course everybody does. And just take it for granted that these decisions are made. But it's really important for you to stop, focus, and give the people the attention and the time needed to make those decisions because what you're doing is you're training people to respond. And so when they respond to these very easy decisions along the way, when you come to the hard decisions, like the Sabbath, like the state of the dead, like the true prophet, like the true church, if they've been responding all along the way and gotten into a habit of responding, then it'll be much easier for them to respond to those harder decisions. But if you have not given them that opportunity to make that decision, then all of a sudden you're, you're asking them to make a decision. It's very difficult for them. So make sure that when you do this program in your home, that you give people the opportunity to respond and acknowledge that decision. Now, some people are not going to make decisions in a group setting. So if people are not making decisions, then it, the next thing is to visit them. Now, Mark Finley shared three secrets to successful evangelism. You guys want to know what it is? Yeah. Okay. The first secret is to visit people. Okay. Ninety percent of ninety percent uh, of decisions are made because somebody visited them in the home. Okay. Uh, now, secret number two. Oh. oh. How many people here like to visit? How many people, yeah, part of you raise your hand. There's others of us that are like, I don't know if I want to go visiting. <laughs> you know what? It does take being bold. We do yes. have to step out. Now, it's an old saying that, you know, we have to get out of our comfort zone, our box. But it's true. If we're involved in the Lord's work, we're going to have to do some things that we don't initially like. But once you do... Then it's like, wow, how come I haven't done this before? So that's important to remember. It's going to be visiting. I don't want to visit. I don't want to invite people. But it's when you do. And maybe you're not even successful the first time. It doesn't matter the second time or the third time you'll be successful. So it's important. Visitation, it's not some people's favorite thing to do. But it is important. If somebody would have come and visited me, sooner, I would have been a, a back in the church sooner. So mm. all it needed was somebody to come visit me. Yes. Okay. So Sorry, secret, Lisa, what's uh, number no, two? No problem. Secret number two. Secret number two is visit. <laughs> secret number one is visit. Secret number two is visit. What's secret number three? Visit. You guys are fast learners. <laughs> okay. We have done 
evangelist, citywide evangelistic meetings um, with Youth for Jesus for, I was involved for 12 years. And I can tell you that in a group setting, some people have a hard time making a decision. And in a group setting, some people make a decision just because they're somebody else's and you don't know how firm that decision is. So three reasons to go visit people, okay? First one is if they're, if they're missing a meeting, if they're missing a couple of meetings. It's important to go visit them. Second one is when they make a decision, especially when they make a, a significant decision, it's important for you to go and visit them to solidify that, that decision, to make sure they understand what they're deciding for, and to pray for them. The third reason is if they don't make a decision. If they're coming to the meetings all the time and they're not making any decisions, you need to go and visit them. Because some people, like I said, don't make a decision in a group setting. Or maybe they don't understand. So you need to ask them. So when you go visit them, there are three questions that you ask. The first one is, is this new to you, this information? Okay, if it is, then you ask them, do you understand it? Was it clear? And, and then if they say, well, yeah, and then you say, do you understand it? Then that's when they will tell you, well, yeah, but you know, this is what I heard. I heard that, you know, when you die, you go to purgatory or you go to heaven or you go to hell. And so then you, then you know that, that they're questioning or they've got, they still didn't understand. And that's when you uh, clarify some things. You know, visiting, sometimes people don't come back to the meetings because they have an issue in the life. And unless you visit them, you don't know. You know, I have a friend who was holding meetings, and there was a young man that came, and he sat in the back row. And every meeting, he would come forward, 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 until he was sitting in the front row. And he was writing notes. He was so interested. Well, after the baptismal service, I mean, after the message on baptism, he, he didn't come. The second night, he didn't come. And so my friend went to go visit him. And when he drove down the street, he could see the guy in the window. But when he rang the doorbell, he wouldn't come to the door. So he rang the doorbell again, he wouldn't come to the door. So he thought, well, I know he's there. So he sat down on the steps to wait for him. And as he was sitting there, the Holy Spirit said, go around to the side. So he ran around to the side of the house, and this guy was climbing out the window. <laughs> and he turned around, and he saw my friend, and he jumped out the window, and he started running down. So my friend took off after him. And they ran down one street, they ran down another street, they ran across a park, and then the guy finally stopped. And my friend caught up with him and he said, and, and this, when he caught up with him, the guy said, I can't get baptized into your church. And my friend said, well, nobody's telling you you have to be baptized into the church, but why not? And he said, I'm a youth pastor of this large Baptist church. And he said, I love my young people, I love my job, and if I get baptized into your church, I'll lose my job. And so my friend said, you know, our church has youth pastors too. And this guy said, oh, really? <laughs> well, he got baptized, and today he is a youth pastor. Amen. But see, this reason would not have been known unless he was visited. So you need to visit your people. 90% of your decisions for baptisms will come from these visitations. Now, it's super, super, super important that you don't stay too long. The first visit you make should just be 
to say thank you for coming to the meeting. I usually take like a little bookmarker with Bible verses or some promise or something, and I give it to them, and I said, just want to share this with you. This promise has been a blessing to me, and I hope you enjoy it. You know, I just want to thank you for coming. You may not even go inside. Go in the house, yeah, but pray with them, you know. So even if they do invite you into their home, don't sit down and stay. Um, you know, I had a, a friend who loved people, and she went to go visit her, her first visit um, person, and she stayed there for an hour and a half. And after she, after she left, um, this lady didn't come back to the meeting. So she went back to visit him, and she turned all the lights off and locked the door. So don't overstay. It's much better to have them wanting more than to visit too long. Okay, so don't visit too long. And, and answer the question specifically. Don't go into the further um, information. You all know this. And, and really just encourage them. You're there to listen to them. You're there to pray with them. Don't preach to them in these visitations. Just listen and pray and encourage them to come back. And that's it. All right? So we got about 10 minutes. So, oh my. So we'll, we got five minutes we'll do for questions. Okay. Well, let's, let's show them the, the program. Okay. Okay, let's show them the graphics that they'll be getting. Each of you will be getting a DVD disc that has all 26 sermons that has all the sermon um, notes. So you can go back and put this into practice. So this is one of the, this is a slide. If you'll, you'll see the, uh, this actually has graphics that will be on your screen. So you can, you can see this and, and this has been, uh, this uh, is the train, as you can see. And, and the, the um, I'll, I'll, and then I'll show you the sermon notes. So I'll give you a couple of the slides. So you'll be able to actually play this on your DVD player now. Um, we may be able to, in one or two minutes, um, I can show you that the ASI website, if you don't have a chance to go, if we don't have a chance to do it today, go to asiministries.org and you can download all of this information. You can download the sermon notes, well they're also on the disc. The sermon notes, um, there is a manual on how to do that. So all the stuff that we're talking about today is on the website. Also on the website will be, is, is Pastor Finley giving about an eight to 12 minute description of each one of the sermons and what to cover. What are the high points? What kind of an appeal to give? What kind of prayer even you might want to pray for that? So there's a lot of material here to help you, that you don't need Lisa or myself or Barbara um, to train you. If, if we're not here, you can go on the website and get all the information you need. We're also available. If you, if you have some questions, I think we'd be happy to answer them. Um, but this gives you an idea of, of, the, um, of the, the, the kind of graphics. That's the same thing that is being used um, by the, some of the top evangelists. And it's all been reviewed. It is um, absolutely accurate in its theology and its delivery. You know, we, we had, this one is revised. This has been updated. revised about four months now. 
and we're going to be translating it into many different languages. Right now we have 36. I don't know the number on this one, probably 20. Right now we're starting out with 10 languages. But that's just a side note. So you can um, go on the website and look. But now, so you're, can, you're seeing the graphics here of, of what you're looking at. Now, let me go to the sermon notes real quick. Um, there, yep, there you go. Oh, no, you had it. Right there. So this is the sermon notes for the screen. So, and, and you can read them. Now, it's always good to practice. But I'm going to tell you, how, how many people here, and pardon me if, why I have to sit down, I, I have a bad back right now. Um, how many people here have kids? Okay. When you had children, when you, before you had your first child, you were kind of in shock. Did you know what to do after it was born and you brought it home? Yeah. You're like, I mean, my wife and I, we looked when Michael was born, we were like, what do we do now? Okay? It's a little bit like this doing your first one. You don't, you, you don't think you're, gonna, you're doing things right and, oh, it's not working out and, and we don't have 10 people for each person. It doesn't matter. Just do it the first time. You'll get so much experience from the first time. Yeah. The second time will be much easier. You know what? Second time, then you become an expert. <laughs> so just, just remember that. And so, so anyway, here are the sermon notes that you can see. It, it goes through each one of the slides to, to show you um, a, a what to say. And, and generally, you can review the notes beforehand. Sometimes people just get the book out and they read. The main point that Lisa and I want to make is just do one or the other. You don't have to have it memorized. Read it. As, as Lisa said, the person who went and, and was kind of not the most interesting person to listen to, that's right, still baptized three people. Yes. It is, it is really good to practice, though. Yes. Practice, 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 so that you can make it your own. Because actually, the, the first version was written by Mark Finley. And you know how Mark Finley preaches? In heaven there will be no tears. In heaven there will be no sickness. In heaven there will be no death. You know, like that? Well, most of us don't preach like that. Most of us don't talk like that. And so when we do it, it kind of sounds odd from, coming from us. And so I, I practice, 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 and then I kind of make it my own. Now, don't change the script, but get what the idea is and, and use the words that are comfortable to you, the, the style that's comfortable for you. Okay, so um, it's, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask Ron to come up here and just very quickly, Ron is one of the lay people that, that were trained how to do this program and he's gone around the world training other people. So, and, and he's also held uh, meetings in his home or in his church. And so if you could come up, Here. I'll give you this Here. mic. Oh, this mic. And if you could just share like a short testimony of your experience with this program so they know that, you know, even doctors can do it. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, professional person. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you, since she asked me, I'll tell you about the first time that I ever held meetings. It just happened that this was before New Beginnings existed. 
and Dwayne McKee asked me to go to Africa and hold some meetings where somebody else, a pastor, and his church team had planned to go, and meetings were all scheduled, and then they, for some reason, they couldn't go, so he asked my wife and I to go with just a couple weeks' notice, and it was so hard. I'll tell you, I, he, gave me, he gave me some, some graphics that Mark Finley had used in, in his net series, and he gave me uh, a script that was actually in the pages of the book, and they didn't match. I had to spend all day long, every day, probably 10, 11 hours editing the script, trying to coordinate the graphics in the script. Didn't do any visiting. Uh, the visiting we did, my wife invited some of the people who were attending to come to where we were staying and have lunch with us. That was the only visiting we did because we were working so hard on the script. And I was a terrible speaker. I had no experience of speaking. And uh, it's not good for me to tell stories. I cry all the time. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, about halfway through, the sermon was on uh, the mark of the beast. And I had the idea at that time that there were something like 30 sermons in only two weeks. I had the idea we had to cover every single subject. So I was trying to compress two sermons into one night and do all these gymnastics to try to... And this, this one day I had edited two sermons together and had all these notes with cross lines and everything. And then we got ready to print this edited script and the printer ran out of me. So I came to that night and just had this this hodgepodge of notes. And uh, two days before the rain, for the first time in a couple months, and so the bugs all came out, and they're crawling all over. And halfway through that sermon, I just was lost and was about ready to throw my script on the floor and stalk off the stage and never come back. Oh. And it just was terrible. Oh. Yeah, you made it. I'm afraid. I said, Lord, if you just get me through this series, I'll promise to never, ever do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year, it seemed like the call came from God, so I guess God forgave me for not keeping that promise. Anyway, there were 80-some people baptized. Oh, amen. And so I, I just got addicted to that yes. experience at the end. Amen. And we've been... 14 times, 16 yes. times, and I don't, don't know what it was. But the next year, the New Beginnings program came out, and it was so much easier. Still required a lot of editing because it's too long and it's being translated. Yeah. So I had to tear it down and do some work, but we yeah. had more time. The New Beginnings program was just wonderful. Yes. Yes, it is wonderful. And, and this newest edition, we've shortened the sermons. And so, and it's updated, the information is updated. So it, it's, it's very good. Um, you know, there's nothing like the feeling you get when you have been a part of winning a soul to God's kingdom. When you see them go down into that water and come up, you know, it's like your heart is like baptized or something. And so I, this is our prayer is that each of you will experience Experience this experience of bringing someone to the Lord, being an instrument in God's hand, and bringing somebody to the kingdom. Because there are only, there's only one thing that you're going to be taking to heaven. Two things. What are they? Your character and and souls you have one to one to God. 
And I just want to encourage you not just to hear this presentation, but I really want to, you to ask the Lord, is this something I can do, I can be a part of, personally and realistically, instead of just going home and thinking, yeah, that was nice, you know, uh, we should do something like that. And so at this time, we want to ask, is there somebody here that would commit to taking this material home and holding a meeting? Oh, thank you so much. Okay, those who are willing, I'd like you to come up here. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Barbara, start giving this out. Okay. Um, and it, we do have them in Spanish. The Spanish ones are not translated yet. Um, they're in the process of being translated. Yeah, they're in the process. Oh, wait, wait, stay up here, please. No. Stay up here. We want to. We want to. We want to have a have prayer for you. Okay, come and line up all over here. There you go. Okay, please come up and and uh, come up and, and and stand here. Terry, can you um, cover the slide? There you go. And Ron, you get one too, and you can stay up there because you've already committed to doing it. Okay, wonderful. So come on up here, and we want to take a picture. And we, oh, that's too bad. And we want to, um, there you go. Here, come on up here, and everybody, please, the taller ones stand in the back, and the shorter ones stand in the front. Okay, does everybody have one? Okay. Can, would you like to sit down? Okay. Okay. Let's let's all squish together. Okay. And can you can you get a still picture out of that? Okay. Where's your where's your camera? Okay. Okay. I want to thank you for committing to doing something when you go home. And what we would like to do is to, to hold, hold your videos up, and we'd like, we'd like to um, take a picture, and then, well, this is not to check on you, okay? But, but this is just to, to say, Lord, we're going to use this, okay? So let's hold it up and take a picture. Okay. And then what we would you, like you to think, do is hear sure from you. you. When you hold because these meetings in your home, we would like does. to hear your experiences. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. The very first meeting I did in, in a home setting, we had one visitor. And my team said, we can't keep going doing this. You know, we need to, oh, sure. Oh, you know, how about this young man? He, he would be a much better photographer than I would be. Okay. Um, so. One person came and my team wanted to quit. And I said, no, we can't quit. We have to keep going, even if we just have this one person come. Well, the, about the third or fourth night, another person came from our list. And by the end of the meetings, we had five people coming. Amen. But that first person that came, he was the only one that got baptized. But praise the Lord, Amen. right? So, you know, it might start out slow. Even if you just get no visitors, preach to yourselves. We need to hear the message too. Right? So, okay. 
So, um, did you get the picture? Okay. Yeah. And we'd really like to, to pray for you. And this is Barbara Taylor. She's my DVD partner. We've gone around the world doing the training. And I'd like her to, to have a prayer of consecration for you. Our gracious, kind, heavenly Father, what an opportunity and a blessing it is to be able to share your word with others. We know that you are coming soon. We know that we have work to do. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will bless each and every one of us here that have consecrated our lives to be in your witness in a time that is growing darker and darker each day. We ask, Lord, that you will bless us now as we leave and consecrate our hearts and our minds, that we will be in tune with your Holy Spirit and that we will follow your will in all the days ahead until you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.